Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, movie truthers. Welcome to this week's episode of Truth and Movies. I'm Michael Leader. And I'm Hannah Strong. And today we'll be talking about the London Film Festival, which starts this week on the 6th and runs for the next week and a half. We'll be talking about our picks from the festival before it starts. All coming up on Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. Yes, welcome back, listeners, and welcome back, Hannah. Hannah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, well rested, ready to get into London Film Festival. Very excited it's back in person this year after going digital last year. And we seem to be doing okay COVID-wise. I don't know. I say that very tentatively, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, I, I feel kind of positive, excited. I'll get to see some of my friends and see some good movies and happy to be here on this surprisingly sunny Wednesday, Tuesday, Tuesday, on this Tuesday afternoon, um, chatting about some of the things that I hope people make time to go and see. Well, before we get into recommendations, you have some fancy responsibilities at the LFF this year, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, So I was fortunate enough to be asked to be on the jury for the uh, first feature competition, the Sutherland jury, I believe it's called. And it's my first kind of big jury uh very exciting very kind of overwhelming uh I'm not even the youngest person on the jury which was a real like slap in the face to me I was very like I thought I was going to be the the hot young thing but no there's someone who's younger than me um but yeah uh, Isabel Sandoval is heading it up and uh Prono Bailey Bond is also on the jury so it's it's going to be a fun one I think very excited to kind of get in there there's a lot of films I haven't seen on the festival circuit that uh, I'm kind of excited to discover because usually when you spend your whole year seeing films at festivals, it gets towards this time of year and you've seen most of the things. So it's quite nice to actually have an opportunity to kind of discover things. So anyone listening um, who's going to be around LFF will probably see me at some point looking quite like a bit draggled and flustered. Um, but yeah, come, come and say hi if you see me at all. I always love kind of meeting people. Bedraggled and flustered, but surely high on films. And Hannah, that's very exciting, very excited for you. And uh, hope to hear more about your jury experience later in the festival or afterwards. But first, let's talk about some of our recommendations for the festival. Of course, it's the London Film Festival, but there's a great small selection that's also playing at cinemas around the country as well. Where should we start first, Hannah? Um, yeah, I think maybe we'll start with a couple that people can catch around the UK. Um, it's for the past few years that LFF have been doing this kind of program with local cinemas across the country where they show a select number of titles uh, for like kind of either one night only or a few screenings. 
Um, so the first I'd like to recommend is um, I'm going to absolutely butcher his name, and I I, I really apologise in advance. Um, but Ryosuke Hamaguchi's uh, Drive My Car, which mm-hmm. played at Cannes, I believe we may have recommended it in one of our Cannes podcasts. Um, not sure if we did or not, but it's yeah, it's it's wonderful, and it's actually the second or the first of two uh, of his films which are playing the other is wheel of fortune and fantasy uh i haven't seen that i'm looking forward to watching it during the festival but yeah drive my car was a real kind of revelation for me i didn't really know very much going in i'd read the um short story it's based on by uh, murakami which is only a couple of pages and it's about a um kind of aging uh director slash actor in his in his younger years who takes on a gig doing a adaptation of uncle vanya in um a small town and he kind of meets this woman who drives who acts as his chauffeur during the um during the production and it kind of yeah it's like a I, I mean anyone that's familiar with Murakami will know his kind of very um meditative um pace and it's yeah it's about this man being driven around in a car but it's obviously about a lot more than that uh, and the film which is three hours kind of expands this short story out um in a similar way to Li Chang Dong's Burning which kind of did a similar thing but obviously a very different tone um and I just thought it was a, a really kind of beautiful film about acting, beautiful film about the kind of nature of relationships. And I was very taken with it. And I definitely recommend people see it in the cinema because it is one of those films that you could, your attention could kind of drift if you try and watch it at home where there's just so many distractions. This is one that I think you really benefit from kind of being in the dark alone with your thoughts. And um, it's, yeah, it's it's really beautiful. And I'm really glad they're kind of showing that all over the UK because I think it deserves uh, a kind of bigger platform. Absolutely. I love Hamaguchi's films. I've seen Happy Hour and Asako 1 and 2. And they were two films that maybe did the festival circuit but didn't get very wide releases. It doesn't help, of course, that his films tend to be very long, quite hard to slip into cinema programmes. I also love a Beatles reference in my film titles, and I'm going to presume that Drive My Car is one of those. It <laughs> as is. Well as it a is. literal reference. Yeah, I mean, we know Matt, Matt, uh, Murakami and his Beatles references. He's a big fan <laughs> of uh, dropping them in there. I don't think it actually comes up in the film or the story for that matter, but um, it, there is a lot of car driving. You know, it, it's not a title that uh, is metaphorical. There is, there's a lot of car driving. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, it's one of those films that I think people joke about kind of like seeing it on the festival circuit and be like, oh, you must see the new Hamaguchi. But it is like, it is genuinely really great. And he, if you watch any kind of interviews with him, um, he's such a kind of earnest and like very... Um, honest director really like he just seems like someone who totally loves what he does and is very to say his films are so kind of um poetic they could be seen as like you know when you go to see a film at the bfi and it's like it's just you and like the kind of people who uh make the trick from like knightsbridge or somewhere highbury and it's you know it's all a bit pretentious but he is someone who seems so completely free of pretense and um i yeah i just i can't really recommend it enough i think it is 
also a really great route into kind of modern Japanese cinema if you're maybe not um <laughs> if you're maybe not as um maybe not as familiar so I I would highly yeah highly recommend I think it's very accessible and for anyone who's kind of interested in the craft of acting I think it's a really um something we haven't really maybe seen before but maybe I'm just saying that because I love films about acting I think it's one of my kind of favorite niche subgenres. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Well, I'm already sold on Drive My Car, but that's such a strong recommendation, Hannah. Thank you. What, <laughs> what, where should we go next? What film do you have on your list of recommendations next? I, I feel like I'm taking us across, um, like across the world with these recommendations because purely by coincidence, I've ended up choosing three uh, features, not in the English language. Um, but the second is The Worst Person in the World. Uh, by Very relatable like, for some of us. It is. It, it's such a good title. It's not called that in... Um, in the original language, it's called uh, Julie, A Life in 13 Chapters, I think, which uh-huh. is, it's not as good. It's just not as good of a title. Um, but yeah, so this is a Joachim Trier film, a kind of big fans of Little White Lies. And he made, his last film's kind of a thriller, uh, Thelma, but this is very much uh, going back to his kind of... Um, Oslo, 31st of August type uh, drama about relationships and kind of people. And this was actually the first of his films I saw. Um, I came very late to the game and I totally fell for this film in Cannes. Anyone that's read my review from Cannes will know I can't kind of get enough of this film. I'm To the extent they're not showing it 
um, to the press at LFF for some reason. To the extent I am trying to get a ticket to go and see the public screening because I, I want to see it again so desperately. I think it's a beautiful film. And um, giving a quick kind of rundown for those who might not be familiar, it is a film about a young woman called Julie and it is comprised of 13 chapters of her life and follows her just get, you know, kind of getting through all these struggles that you kind of face as a young adult, uh, particularly with dating and her relationship with her mother and father. And I just thought it was so perfectly pitched in terms of humour and drama. It really does, it's such a kind of cliche to say, but it really does walk that kind of fine line between the two. And... It has this incredible lead performance from uh, Renata Rensfer, I believe it's pronounced like that. Um, I struggle a lot with <laughs> with names in general. Um, yeah, this incredible lead performance from her, which won her the Best Actress Prize at Cannes, very well-deserved, in a kind of a stacked year as well, and also features the... Uh, Always wonderful, Anders uh, Danielson Lai, who also is in the festival with Bergman Island, which again can't recommend enough. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm just recommending the whole program, but it is <laughs> it is it is a particularly good year for LFF. Um, but yeah, it's a really a, a kind of a film that articulates what it means to kind of be in your 20s and 30s right now in 2021 in a way that doesn't feel kind of um, cringy or like it's uh trying too hard i think there's been a lot of recent kind of media netflix specials and um amazon i'm thinking of like new york times modern love series which just they just kind of give me the ick and this is um this is so again i'm using the word genuine a lot but it feels very genuine and very authentic and incredibly funny there are some real like laugh out loud moments and yeah i just i just really really loved it you don't have to be familiar with um Jochentra's work to kind of appreciate it but i think it definitely made me kind of go away wanting to watch all of his other things i was so so taken with this film it's definitely if not the best thing i've seen this year like up there which is quite a strong recommendation because i've seen so many good films this year so the worst <laughs> is the best in this case it is it really is <laughs> Oh, fantastic. I know you're slipping in a lot of micro recommendations into all of these blurbs, <laughs> but um, what's your your final big recommendation from the programme? Uh, so this is another one that's going to be um, showing across the UK. And it, again, was at Cannes. I've picked three films from Cannes. I, I promise there are films that weren't at Cannes that, were, that are, are really good as well. Um, but it is Paris, 13th District, uh, by Jacques Audier. And... Again, I, in a way, it's kind of similar to Worst Person in the World because I think it really does capture something about what it is to be young and kind of struggling at this very specific point in time. I think it's one of those films where people will look back on it and think it is a really good summation. We talk about like Obama cinema and Trump cinema. This is like, a, I feel like it's a really good illustration of what it's like to kind of be a young person in Paris at this very specific moment in time. Uh, and again, very much like Worst Person in the World, it has a really amazing performance from a newcomer, uh, Lucy Zhang. She's amazing. She's just so kind of magnetic and messy and often very unsympathetic. But you really do 
you feel for her and you kind of are rooting for her, even though she is also the worst person in the world at times. Um, I think it's kind of unusual for Audiard. I think he can be a little bit self-serious. I'm thinking of like Rust and Bone, which I really hated. Um, and then, you know, he's moved on to things like the Sisters Brothers, which I think is so tonally different from something like this, which is a real um, kind of a romantic comedy. And I, yeah, I, I really was surprised by this. It's not one that I think people were kind of um, hotly tipping at Cannes. I think it's one that kind of snuck up on everyone. But um, yeah, really, really wonderful. Amazing soundtrack. It's kind of like electro uh, techno score, which normally I wouldn't be into, but I think it, it works kind of really well. And it makes Paris look just like stunning. It's this very moody black and white cinematography and it really kind of made me yearn to kind of go over there and be glowered at by a load of Parisians again. <laughs> I, that's one of the few films I have seen in the programme and yeah, I, I can echo that recommendation. It's also one for people who saw Portrait of Lady on Fire and want to see more of Noemi Merlon. Maybe yes, uh, this yeah. is one to go for. It's, she, she gives another great performance as someone who at times is also one of the worst people in the world. <laughs> yeah, a, and a really different performance as well from a Portrait of Lady on Fire. I was very glad to see her kind of not getting typecast as this very um, thoughtful, like kind of artist character. She's very, very messy in mm. um, Paris, 13th District, but in a very sweet way. It is, it's an incredibly sweet film. And I think um, a really interesting adaptation of um, a French a French graphic novel. I want to say no, they're American. They're American. American. This, yeah, even more interesting. That um, that's just me totally butchering my <laughs> uh, my facts. Sorry, everyone. People are used to it now on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I was really kind of surprised because I don't think um, it feels like the kind of things we're used to. See. I'm, I'm thinking of like the Ghost Worlds and the Wilsons and you know the Daniel Clouds um, adaptations. It feels very organic and very kind of. You would never, you would never know that it's it's adapted from this source material. Not that, that, and that sounds like a diss on graphic novels, which I don't, <laughs> I don't mean it to at all. I just mean that it's really interesting to see um, such a kind of different spin on it, and I think it's it works really well. It's it's really great, and from by all accounts, our, our friend Sophie Monks Kaufman interviewed her, interviewed uh, Jack at Cannes and said he was delightful, really a hoot. So. Um, it makes me kind of happy to support the film, knowing that he's he's a, he's a nice guy as well. And this is going to be one that's showing across the UK as well. So definitely try and get a ticket for that if you can. Fantastic. So that's Drive My Car, The Worst Person in the World, Paris 13th District, all screening in the London Film Festival and as part of the selection that's going around the country. I'm sure you can find details of that at bfi.org.uk slash LFF. Um, Hannah, before we wrap up, I want to make a quick shout out to Belle, the uh, Japanese anime film by Mamoru Hosoda, who who's had a, quite a few films at the LFF over the years. Films like Wolf Children, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, Summer Wars, all the way up to Mirai, which was his last feature. This one premiered in Cannes, and I got to see this last week. It's real knockout. He's returning to similar territory for Summer Wars, where he's talking about 
personal connections in the increasingly interconnected online world always online world and this uh, this is about a, a girl who joins an online social platform virtual reality portal called you which using biometric data creates a idealized version of your true inner self and she's a nerdy girl or a very anxious girl in real life but on the platform she is the the world's next great pop superstar who becomes known as Belle. it's um really something and considering that it has these smaller scale into interpersonal levels and then this huge hulking complex convoluted discourse around uh, the online world today it lands in a very emotional way and i'm sure fans of hasoda's films will know that he's very good at doing that but that's bell i'd really strongly recommend that it is also coming out in january so even though that's not part of the uk wide part of the lff it's something that we will see pretty soon any other shout outs from you hannah uh yeah i would like to recommend um this film hit the road again i'm recommending everything from can but like, it's like my, my kind of reference point for the year because that's where i saw lots of this stuff um but yeah hit the road so it is pana panahi i believe it's pronounced son of jafar uh, obviously you know kind of um hugely influential filmmaker which I didn't realise at the time, but afterwards I was like, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> not not to diminish his achievements, it's, it's a really amazing debut. It's this um, road movie about a boy, uh, very, very charming, very cheeky, uh, about four or five year old, and his family who are going on this road trip with their dog, great dog, and um, you get the sense very quickly something is off, and it kind of quickly you realize kind of what's going on that um the kid himself doesn't necessarily understand and it's it's very sad but also very funny and i was just really um kind of surprised by it i it played in director's fortnight and i think uh, again it was one it was every year there's films that play in the can sidebars which are kind of you hear more and more there's like buzz at the festival and you kind of have to go and make an effort to go and see it and I think it was actually the last thing I saw at Cannes and um yeah highly recommend um really kind of touching but deeply funny and tragic story um and something a bit different I think from maybe some of the other films that we've talked about so far and one that I, I I can't personally recommend it, but I know that Adam of Little White Lies can definitely recommend it, is uh, Terence Davies' um, Benediction, which I'm going to be seeing at the festival. I'm so excited for it. Big fan of uh, Terence. And this is his kind of long-anticipated biopic of Siegfried Sassoon, the uh, famous war poet and... Yeah, Adam kind of gave it a glowing review out of uh, San Sebastian where it premiered and it just seems like a very, uh, I keep saying the word touching, but you know, <laughs> what else can you really say about a biopic of Siegfried Sassoon? Um, yeah, he said it, He said it's it's really great and 
weirdly he was like oh yeah it makes quite a compelling uh, argument for jack loudon as bond so i'm definitely Ooh. yeah definitely kind of interested to see it um i think maybe it's just the shot of him in a tuxedo but we shall see well um, adam did go quite hard for jack loudon in last last week's episode where he outed himself as quite a bond guy so <laughs> if, if that's his recommendation let's go that's, for it oh, that's and where that's, it all stem from <laughs> and that's probably a good point to say that you know so many of the films in the lff program what's great about the lff is that it does play as a greatest hits package of festival films from throughout the year so we do have lots of reviews upon the site to help guide your uh, ticket buying uh, t- your ticket buying process Hannah I know that we also had like a, a thread on Twitter of many of the reviews as well of films that are premiering yeah. or screening in the festival we'll be keeping doing that as well throughout the festival and if people want any recommendations feel free to add us we're more than happy to kind of um, earlier in the year well last year we did a kind of mail order um, <laughs> film recommendations thing if you tell us your mood we'll try and match you to an LFF film yeah oh. that would be quite sweet What's a wonderful service to give. <laughs> and of course, we will be back with more podcasts as well as the festival goes on um, with gossip and takes and other sorts of bits and tidbits from our festival going experience. I'll be checking in with David Jenkins, head honcho of Little White Lies later this week. So look out for that episode in your podcast feeds. Hannah, thank you for joining me today and sharing some of your recommendations from the London Film Festival. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon. 